we are, as you know, we are starting our identity series. And, and as an eldership team, we've been trusting God, we've been praying, we've been fasting, uh, and we are very excited about what God is going to do in this time. Uh, so everyone should have one of these books. If you don't have a book, then please get a book. And if you are a life group leader and you are in the room today and you know that there's people absent, then won't you grab a book for the people that are absent? But what we don't want to do is have people grab for their friends that are not there and then their friends also still grab their own and then they get for their friends and eventually we have someone sitting with like 10 in their home and they're not reading any. So if you have a spare book lying around, please make sure that you get it to somebody who doesn't have a book. Looking around, I realize that we, I don't think we printed enough books. If you haven't got a book then we will get a book to you. And if you're in a situation where you, we haven't got enough printed books and they're all out, then what we'll do is we'll put your email address back at the info desk and then we will send you a PDF copy of the book. So we want to make sure everyone has got a book. Uh, got a book. Um, so before I begin, I just, by the way, what God is doing is awesome. And, and it's amazing. Even during worship, God is moving. God is touching people's lives. Things are happening. And, and when we preach, we're not trying to get in the way of what God's doing. We want a, a continuation of what God's doing. But then when we go home, we want to continue that further. And we trust that God will work all week. So thank God for what he's doing. Before we get into this morning's message, I just want to thank Steve Wimble and the team at City Hill Church who put this whole series together. Um, it took a huge amount of hard work and devotion and dedication and time with God and time in Scripture and prayer for this book to be put together. And these books are not, they're not free to print, um, but we're giving them out for free because we believe that God is going to do something special with this series. So um, thank you to Steve and the amazing work that these guys are doing. If you've got your book here, just to go through a little bit of an introduction, on page four, there is place to take notes for today's message. So if you haven't got your pen, we'll get you a pen and you can take notes. Um, and like I said before, if you could hand your pen back into the info desk, thank you. If you take it home, God bless you. Enjoy your new pen, but don't forget to bring it back next week. Then on page five, there is place for you to fill in during the life groups. We're going to fill in more information on page five. So as we go through this, fill in words and you'll fill those in. But I want to say that a lot of the work that's going into the series happens in the life groups. If you are not yet in a life group, I encourage you. Join a life group, even if it's just for six weeks. Join a life group as we go through the series. Um, then, while we're in that place talking about life groups, can all the people that lead life groups or the hosts of life groups, won't you guys just stand? So now, if you are not in a life group, take a look around the room. And I know that there are other life group leaders that lead groups that are not able to be here this morning. Oh, Bruce, there we go. Um, and then there are others that can... So have a look around the room and find one that you think that one looks the most interesting. And I will go to that group. So, or just find out where they live and connect to a group. But I really encourage you, don't just let this series pass. Get involved in a group. Um, then, uh, so thank you to the life group leaders. Thank you for standing. Then um, on page 17, so if we skip ahead. That's right, 17. Um, so on page 17, it's the beginning of our, page 18, it's the beginning of our daily devotions. So what we're going to do is every day we're going to go through a daily reading together as a church, 
and every week there are six readings. In other words, if you miss a day, you've got a day to catch up on, which is really great. So every day starting today or starting tomorrow, you'll read every day, and we'll go through this together. And then on page one is the primary scripture that the series is based on, Ephesians 1. The goal of the series is to get the word of God into our hearts. And then on page two is an identity creed, which we will look at at the end. Um, This whole message, this preach, and this series were put together by Steve, and I hope that we can honor the work that he's done. So even the preach, I'm following the footsteps of what they've put together. So the title of today's message is, if you are taking notes, The Identity Gap. And just in terms of prepping for this week, I'm telling you now, God is doing something. He's done something. Uh, Even now, I can feel that God is putting something into the foundations of who I am. And I trust that God is going to work in your lives. Everyone in this room, in this community, on this continent, on the whole planet, every single human is absolutely unique. You are one of a kind. Even identical twins have so many differences. Their arm map, their thumbprint, they are different. Nobody in the world is exactly the same as anybody else. There are certain things that we have that are unique to us that nobody on planet Earth shares with us. There's even an interpretation in a scripture from Revelation that says that even though when we get to heaven people will recognize us, we will still be, I will still be Tim in heaven, and apparently when you get to heaven, you will have, you have a perfect body, which means I'll look exactly the same. Um, just jo- joking, joking. I'll be much taller. Um, anyway, I digress. We will still be ourselves, but the scripture in Revelation, it, 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 it leans to the fact that God will have a unique name or could have a unique name for every single human that is in heaven, which means no two people in existence will share the same name. Can you imagine God has a specific name only for you and no one else in existence has that name? You are absolutely, specifically unique to God. And there are certain things that are unique about all of us. Yet when we were born, we have no clue about our identities. We know nothing about ourselves. We don't know what our names are. We don't know where we live. We don't know the language that we're going to speak. We don't know who our parents are. We don't know what, we, what we're going to look like. We don't know what we like. And over time, these and many other variables begin to shape our identities into becoming who we are today. And then when we shape our identities, all these variables, essentially they shape what we believe about ourselves, about other people, about the world, about God, and everything else. So we are shaped into a, partic- into a specific understanding of who we are. So we can draw a circle around everything that we believe. So over like three or four lines or four or five lines in your book, just draw a circle. And and you can write there, what I believe. And I know this circle now sums up everything you believe about yourself, about God, about other people, about everything. That circle sums up all of it. And just because we believe it, this is very, very important, just because we believe it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. So in that circle of everything you believe is a whole lot that you believe and you've grown to understand that isn't true. Rick Warren says this, we shouldn't believe everything that we think. That's the truth. Just because it's my truth, you can write this down, just because it's my truth, it doesn't mean that it's that truth. Just because it's my truth, it doesn't mean that it's that truth. Now, when we get saved and we look at Scripture, we see that God has a whole bunch of thoughts about who we are. 
So you might be sitting in the room today and you are new to the faith and then you start to realize, hold on, what I think is true and what I think about myself is different to what God thinks about me. And God's ways are different to my ways and God's thoughts are different to my thoughts. God's ways are higher than my ways. So we can take another circle representing everything that God believes us about us. So it's another circle looks like that. So you can draw that in your book and you can write there what God sees. So now, you will see as you've drawn your circles. Did anyone get it particularly round? <laughs> oh my goodness. That's something. Oh wow. Alright. The rest of us have like weird egg shapes and squares. and So there are your circles on your page. Everything you believe and everything God believes. And then you will notice that there is an overlap between the two circles in the middle. That is circle, so you can see there, one, segment one, segment two, and segment three. You can write those numbers in. Segment one, segment two, and segment three. Segment one, this is where we, what we think about ourselves lines up with what God thinks about us. So God's thoughts about me and my thoughts about me are in the same place, segment one. The problem is that nobody has these circles perfectly overlapped. You might have been a Christian for many years and you've been walking with God and he's been ministering to you, but nobody has these circles perfectly overlapped where everything you believe about yourself and everything God believes about yourself uh, about you is absolutely overlined. Um, some people have more or less overlap than others. Some people might have a big overlap. Some people might have a smaller overlap. Nobody has a perfect overlap. Ideally, the longer that we walk with Jesus, the more these circles begin to overlap. And our thoughts start to line up with God's thoughts, and the gap in the middle sort of gets bigger and bigger. Segment two, this is God's truth about us that we don't yet believe. And that is all of us. We may know in theory what God says about us. And maybe you've been in church before, and you've heard how much God loves you, and you've heard all of this stuff. And for a lot of people, it hasn't even gone into their heads yet. Then for some people, it's gone into their heads, but it's never gone into their heart. What God thinks about you and what you think about yourself are very different. It hasn't, gone, it hasn't become a heart issue yet. Then in segment three, this is my truth that doesn't line up with God's truth. To sum this up, this is lies that we believe about ourselves. So segment three is essentially a whole segment of lies. To us, these things are completely normal. We've grown up to believe that it's true. We've always thought that it's true. Maybe it's been confirmed that it's true. And ignorance is bliss, so we go through life believing lies, and we shape our whole future around the lies that we've grown to believe. Either way, it's lies that we've received and we've believed. And the goal of the series is to get these two circles to line up and push out the lies that we've believed about ourselves. Because the truth is, all of us in this room are believing lies right now that are shaping our identities and our future, but they're not the Word of God over us. And this is huge, because it overflows into every other area of our lives. The decisions that we make, why we live, how we lead, what we think, why we do what we do, everything is shaped by what we believe. How we handle our marriage, how we handle our relationships and friendships, how we make friends, how we put ourselves out there to make friends is shaped around what we believe. Um, if, if you want to know about what your insecurities are or, or what your instabilities are, they are shaped around what we believe. Whether we have peace or a lack of peace is shaped on what we believe. How we parent, and this is huge because it's really impacted me, how we parent 
is shaped around what we believe. And if I have my identity securely fixed in lies, and I believe those lies to be true, then what I do is by default I live out those lies and then I pass them to my children. And then my children begin to live those lies because I believe them. And then what we do is we build our whole life and we make all our decisions and how we interact and what we do and where we go and who we make friends with based on deception. It's like building our lives on sand, building a building on sand with no foundation. And what we're going to do is we're going to put concrete into the foundation of our lives so we don't continue to live forward with the lives that we're believing now. This is why the identity series is such a foundational, important message to us. So, over the next few weeks, we're going to trust God. And, and, and I've said this many times. You can go through the six weeks and your life can be radically transformed. You can be changed completely or you can go through it and think, ah, it's just information. If this information sits in our head and doesn't go to our heart, it won't transform us. But if we, and, and I, Thelma said this morning, I'm so excited about this. I just skimmed through the book. I, I believe God's going to do so much with this series. And guess what? God will. Because her heart's fertile soil. So in your heart, say, Lord, may my heart be good and open to the change that you want to bring. Otherwise, I'm going to base my whole future and all my decisions on lies that I think are true. So I have two kids, and I know how much this next illustration impacted me. Imagine one of your kids comes to you, for those that have children, and they're crying their little eyes out. And they really, you know, from their soul, they are broken. And they say this, I'm so ugly. Nobody could ever think that I'm attractive. I'm so ugly. And they believe this about themselves. As parents, we immediately know this is segment three thinking. It's not the truth. But to that little child, it is their absolute truth. They truly believe they are that ugly that no one will ever like them, that no one will ever love them. It's not that truth, yet it's undeniably their truth. So this is their circle. And they believe something that isn't true. And as parents, we want to say to them, you know, like, God, can you not see that you are amazing? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are, you have so many incredible gifts. You are so special. You are amazing in my eyes. Yet unless they see it the way we see it, they continue to shape their lives around that deception. It needs to go from the head to the heart. For me, growing up, I was told stuff about myself, good and bad. And what I felt about myself... And, what, and the good things that people were saying about me were absolutely, and I can say this with confidence, they were worlds apart. And I felt that I have enough evidence to justify why I felt what I felt. I had zero, and I say this, I had zero confidence. I had a very, very low self-esteem. I felt completely unworthy. Like absolutely unworthy. If I was worth anything, it was to be rejected at some stage. Uh, I was terrified of people, truly beyond my ability to, because people don't believe me now. <laughs> I was terrified of people, genuinely shaped by the fear of man and every other fear to go with it. My foundation was fixed on a, on a fear of failure. At some stage, I thought, well, I'm going to mess up and it's just going to get exposed and I'm going to be this awful failure that I am. And what I believed about myself and my future were incredibly unhealthy. And then all of a sudden, I mean, by God's will, and it wasn't exactly my plan, but God led it there. I ended up going to Bible college, and for the first time, I started to realize that God's view of me and my view of myself were radically different. 
And God started to do something in my heart. And with that revelation came significant transformation of how I lived my life and how I interacted with people and why I existed. All of a sudden, I could make eye contact with people instead of looking down in shame and fear and guilt as a way of life. When God does something on the inside of us, it changes our approach to everything. Many people, and I know this is true, I know this is true for many people in the room, and I know this was true for me, many people will live with this fear that if you let someone close enough, then those people will eventually reject you because nobody could love somebody this dysfunctional. So I'll push people away before they get the chance to push me away. Because if people truly get to know me, they're going to see that I am awful and no leave lies. We shape ourselves around those lies. And we're going to break those over the next few weeks. So the way Steve Wimble puts it, it says this, poor thinking springs from poor beliefs. Poor thinking springs from poor beliefs. My actions are a result of my thinking. And my thinking is the result of what I believe. Unless these circles line up, our thoughts, decisions, and actions will be the result of poor foundations. If you're writing something down, write this down. Almost all of our dysfunction, and I'm not sure if that's supposed to be spelled with a wow or an R, but I don't know. Almost all of our dysfunction comes from the lies that we've grown to believe are true. If you go back over your life and you look at the bad decisions you've made, it's probably rooted in a lie that you believed was true and therefore you made that decision. Almost all of our dysfunction comes from the lies that we've grown to believe are true. of our life's bad decisions. Lies we've believed are true. And that's why Paul says this in Romans 12 verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. And the word let just kind of popped out to me now. It's almost like we have a choice in this. We don't have to let God or we can let God. Let God transform you into a new person. How how does he do that? By changing the way you think. In the NRV it says by renewing your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will which is good and pleasing and perfect. So our primary text for this series is Ephesians 1. And we're going to look at the first eight verses today. And as I was listening to Steve preaching this, his conviction was so raw, so real. And I was like reading this and I was like, Lord, give me a revelation. Open my eyes to who you say I am. And it's amazing that you can be loving God and serving God, but then you realize a little lies creeping along the way and you start to shape yourself around those lies. And, and I feel I have such a conviction of what I'm sharing today. Ephesians 1 verse 1 to 8. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, in love, he loves you and me. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the ones he loved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And we can skim over that scripture and we can say, well, what a wonderful ancient text to a mass of people. 
You know, it's just like this word that went out there. Or we can say this, Lord, that's a word for those people, but it describes His people, therefore it describes me today. And Lord, I don't want to just skim over it like it's an ancient text. I want to read it like it's a word from God, the living God, today for me here today. Not for somebody else and everybody else, but specifically, Lord Jesus, help me to take this to heart. Ephesians 1 is a chapter that pulls us away from the lies and into the reality of what God says about us. And a lot of work, as I've said, goes into these books, as you can see. A lot of work goes into these books. They're not just clip art pieces of paper stapled together. They are very well done. But these books only exist to expound the scriptures that they contain. In other words, we are not going to study the book. We are allowing God to use the book to bring the scriptures to life. So it's not about the book. It's not about the identity series. It's about what God is saying to you. And this book will help us understand that. So just, just a few of the things that I want to say that laying the foundation going into the series about who God says you are. And, and, and I want to pray even now, Lord, I pray that you will open our hearts. And if in these areas we don't go, yes, yes, amen, head knowledge, but we will absolutely truly believe it with the conviction of our heart, Lord, it is who you say I am. And if there's lies that I've believed, Lord Jesus, I pray that you will shine a spotlight on them, you will expose them and bring them to light, and we will live according to your truth in Jesus' name. Number one, if you are taking notes, it's not really numbered, I've just got bullet points. You are God's holy people. Now, how many of us in the room consider yourself to be holy? You know, if you were in a job interview... (laughs) And they were like, oh, look, you're sitting there before the panel, and they say, hey, won't you describe yourself to us? And you're like, well, the first thing I'll say is holy. Um, you may have noticed when I walked in, um, <laughs> my holiness is quite an outstanding quality, and um, probably second to, to my humility. Uh, that would be another outstanding quality. According to Scripture, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is calling those that belong to Christ a holy people. Not that that's how we would describe ourselves, yet what God sees in us and what we see in ourselves are completely different. I see myself as a broken, sinful, unworthy person, and God says, actually through me, I see you as holy. And we need to start believing that lie, because if we start believing that lie, we live out that, if we start believing that truth, sorry, we live out that truth. But if we believe the lie, then we live out the lie. What we believe will determine the direction that we head. And if we believe that we are called by God to be holy, we begin to walk a life of holiness. If we believe that we are broken sinners and unworthy, then that's the way that we live our lives. And if we believe we are unworthy, I mean unholy, then we are unworthy and we act it out unconsciously or consciously. And by the way, to be holy isn't to be holier than thou. It's not like, well, I'm better than you. If anything, it's, it's incredibly humbling. If you walked in here today and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, by far the best decision you could ever make in your life, if you are here today and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, or maybe you've never been to church before and you walk in today and you decide to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, from that moment, you are part of God's holy people. Whatever you've done in your life up to this date, If you are a believer in God, you are holy. Wow. And we might not act holy yet, yet through faith it becomes our identity. I believe that most of us don't believe that's our identity. 
We think one day when we get to heaven. We don't live it out now. Segment three says, well, you need to achieve holiness through hard works. Yet according to scripture, holiness is what God achieved for us. It's who we are. And then when we pursue him, we begin to work it out. So I am holy and I am being made holy. So yes, it's a sanctification. God sees me as holy and he says, now start walking with me. And that holiness starts to develop and walk itself out in our lives. So you right now sitting here today and may the Holy Spirit make it true for you. You are a holy people. Wow. Next, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have access to all that Jesus is right here, right now. Not just one day when we get to heaven and Jesus isn't like, look, I just want you to struggle through life and survive and and one day you'll get to heaven. Every spiritual blessing is available to us. But when we believe lies about ourselves, we never access the blessing that God has made available. So we live under the lies. The lies become our ceiling. They become our chains. And then we live according to those lies. And God says there's blessing over here and we don't take it. Why? Because we chained to deception. And this morning, Paula gave that word, and Fricky gave that word about praying against the enemy's strategies and prayer. We break the chains. Why? Because we, are, we know who we are in Jesus. We know who we are, and we know whose we are. But if we believe lies, then we don't access the blessing that God has for us. Every spiritual blessing includes an abundance of grace and opportunity and power and favor. And all too often, those things are right there, and we don't embrace them. My ear frequency, I have tinnitus and it's just said hazards. Um, so, thank you Jesus for healing, I'm healed. <laughs> that is what I'm going to live for, I trust God. We don't have to be slaves to sin. Oh wow. God is, God is moving. I've lived with a loud ringing in my ears for years. And this is the first time it's absolutely quiet. I was like, yo, these people are silent. Thank you, Jesus, that you will touch and heal us as we go about living for you. Wow, honestly, that's amazing. If you're trusting God for healing in any area of your life, keep trusting. We serve healing God. We don't have to be slaves to sin. We don't need to live with addictions. We don't need to suffer with this poverty mentality, thinking that we're not good enough and we're not worth it and we're not worthy. And God doesn't want to bless us because it's a lie. God wants every good and perfect thing for your life. And if we believe it, we start to live it out and we start to see it. I have the grace to overcome sin. It doesn't have to be my master. So blessing is an extension of our identity. It's not something that we have to grovel for. I'm sorry, I have thrown, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. Uh, the next is, I am chosen. Ephesians 1 verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Segment 3 says that I am one of many. 
lost in the crowd, overlooked, forgotten. No one will take me seriously. You know, I'm sure that God loves me, and you might be here, and you're thinking, I'm sure that God loves me, and that's great, but I don't really feel it. The truth is, before the earth was created, we had that word shared with us this morning, God chose me. God chose you. Specifically seen, recognized, appointed, adopted, chosen by Almighty God. He sees us and He calls us. How many people think, Tim, if you knew me, you would see and you would know how unworthy I am. I am an awful human being. And if anyone got to know that, I'm telling you, I'll walk into the church and lightning will cook me where I stand. I cannot do that. I know how awful I've been. I know my sin, yet God knows it too. And even knowing you on your worst day, guess what he says? I choose you. Why are you here today? Because God's chosen you. Why were you hearing worship to the King of Kings? Because God has chosen you. How many people know what it's like when you're at school and you get divided into two teams and the, 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 two, the two strongest guys step forward and they start picking your team, <laughs> their teams, and then the circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller until it's just you and the other kids standing there. <laughs> and you're like, oh, great. And then the, the team will be like, oh, we picked that guy. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'm on this team then, you know. Like, you're, like, you're not picked for the team. Then we come to the Word of God, and He says this, Before the creation of the world, Tim, I want you on my team. To you, your name, I want you on my team. And by the way, this is a team that's never lost and never will. I choose you for my team. I'm making a dream team, and your name is on it right now. Your name is on the list. You are part of God's dream team. God says, I am chosen, I am blessed, I am blameless, I am holy. Today I am healed. It's a divine exchange for all that we were, for all that God is. Wow. When we live like this, we don't become arrogant, we live with humility. Why on earth would God choose me? (laughs) Next is this. I, I hope, are you with me this morning? I am adopted. You can see taking notes because in in unison everyone goes, I am adopted. Ephesians 1 verse 5. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Kayla keeps saying, oh, we must adopt a, a, a child. When we give our lives to Jesus, scripture teaches us that we are adopted into his family. In other words, we have a new father. Right now, all of you that are Christians have a new father. God himself becomes our father. And everything that belongs to the father, he says, yeah, this is part of your inheritance. It's yours. I have friends that have adopted children. And it's not a haphazard choice, this consequence of application, where you like put your name in a thing and they swirl it around and then they send you a baby. It's a family that have chosen to include that child in their family. Same last name, same privileges, same home. Through faith, we are sons and daughters of God Almighty. And therefore, we get to call him Father, and he sees us as his children. Right now, you go, Father. And your identity is, I am a child of the Most High, Holy God. And I can walk into his throne with confidence because I know whose I am and I know who I am. My children are naughty sometimes. I know, hard to believe. Um, no one even, no one even, my children are naughty sometimes. Mm-hmm. My children are naughty sometimes. Yet I love them with an unwavering love. If needed be, if need be, I would lay down my life to spare theirs. No hesitation. I would absolutely lay down my life to protect my children. 
And God loves us that much and more. He would lay down his life for you and he demonstrated that. I am his and he is mine. Forever my father. Not when I am good, but always. I don't love my children because they are good. I love them because they are mine. So you might be here today and you've lived, you've had the most disappointingly atrocious week of failure. And you are so disappointed in yourself. And God's saying, I don't love you because you were good this week. I love you because you're mine. And believe like that. Live like that. You are absolutely loved. Um, And the last one is, and there's more. If you go through this, you can ask God to show you. I am forgiven. You are forgiven. Ephesians 1 verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Imagine I said today, okay, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to take all of your names, we're going to put them in a barrel, we're going to mix it up, and then we're going to take one of the barrels out of the, one of the names out, and then we're going to come put you up on the stage here, and then we're going to put on the screen a display of every sin you've ever committed, every bad thought you've ever had, every bad deed you've ever done, and we're going to display all of it for the whole church to see, and then what we're going to do is we're going to sit on that side and we're going to judge you as a church, right? <laughs> Pardon? It would need a bigger screen. Oh, yeah. That's where your prayers come alive. Lord, please, may they not pull my name, please. Um, when we stand before God one day, it's a fact. It's going to happen. It's a fact. That day is coming. Whether we accept it or not, we will stand and God will see every sin we've ever committed. He sees every sin we've ever committed. The sins of omission and the sins of commission the things we were supposed to do and didn't, and the things we weren't supposed to do and did, and then all of our sins that we didn't even realize were sins, but we were doing in ignorance because we were believing lies. And he judges us. A good judge doesn't say, hey, don't worry. I am love, so it's cool. Just Let's just turn a blind eye. Let's pretend that didn't happen. A good judge, you know, he's not going to say, oh, uh, let's just pretend that didn't happen. Come into heaven. Just come into heaven. No. He will see us. And he will judge us justly. And the verdict, if you're anything like me, guilty. Absolutely guilty. And the price is your life. It's separation from the holiness of God. And the judge gets down from his judgment seat and says, Love is not to overlook your guilt. Yet because I love you, I will pay the penalty for you. And I will lay my life down in place of yours. Would you like to accept that? And anyone with their eyes open would say, please, Jesus, yes. And it's not because, oh, well, actually, my sins weren't that bad. They were awful. They are awful. And the good judge says, you are guilty, so I'll pay the price for you. He's not overlooking our sins. But he's forgiving them. If you are a Christian right now, our debt of sin is paid in full. You and I are Forgiven. Whatever you've done in Christ, you are forgiven. Guilt, forgiven. Shame, shame removed. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. It's a clean slate. We are cleansed forever and forever. It is who you are. And yes, this doesn't mean that we no longer sin. It means that we are no longer slaves to sin. And that sin has been dealt with on the cross. So therefore, it doesn't have to hold us. But at the same time, it doesn't disqualify us. 
Am I the only one that excited about that? Uh, <laughs> there are more things that the scripture says about us. And I trust that this week it will go from the head to the heart. Right now, many of us believe lies. And that those lives are shaping our lives. So Paul answered the question, how do we change our thinking? If that's the key, change your thinking. Then you'll change your life. How do we change our thinking? And then he gives us the answer in Ephesians 1, verse 16 to 20. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation and then from the NIV. I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insights that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Spiritual wisdom and insight. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. You are called. His holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that, that raised Christ from the dead and has seated him at the a place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. In the NIV, I'll just read verse 17 and 18. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will give us a revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your hearts, your your heart's eyes can be blind. And he says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened Revelation and enlightenment in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I just remember when I went to Bible college and I just went there through circumstance. I just felt like I didn't have anywhere else to go, I felt. And then when I was there, something happened and I was in a very broken place. My dad had passed away. I had nothing. And then all of a sudden, God became my security. And God continued to reveal himself. And I found myself in a place of absolute peace and security. My circumstances hadn't changed at all. I was still homeless. I was still broke. I still had no transport. I still had a, I was still broken in every single way. My circumstances hadn't changed, but all of a sudden my revelation had, and I was like, wow, I'm a son of the most high God. I'm called. I'm chosen. I'm favored. I hadn't seen it happen yet, but it's who I am. It's who you are. And I started to live my life differently. May God Open our eyes.